0: What a night more. They really doing McIntyre vs Orton again? Hello and welcome to the LOP Radio Raw Review. My name is Matt Mayer aka Imp and we are live here on YouTube and also in podcast form. Links in the description or head over to InvestingHeadlines.net. and uh, uh, apologies for being a few minutes late for I've been having absolutely massive sound issues and for some reason my microphone is just really really quiet. <laughs> I've got absolutely no idea why and then for the audio version I'll be able to bump it up in post. Uh, But for the YouTube version, I I don't know what's doing it. (laughs) It could be my microphone going. It is quite a bit old, but I'm toying with it again. But yes, I can see it. It's only going about half the volume it was this time last week. So I don't know what's caused that. Uh, So I'll have to have a look because that's great. But anyway, at least it's getting something. That's better than (laughs) I've had in the past when I've been completely silent. Hello and welcome to the show. Is it just me? Is it fine? <laughs> it just sounds so bad to me. Anyways, get on with the show, let's not baffle on too much. Actually, let's have a sip of tea from the New Day Mug. They are on raw after all. Right, Van Dio Andrew McIntyre. <laughs> let's get on with the topic. I hit this wall again, it was during the Hell in the Cell build. Well, let's just get the head that headphone off my face. <laughs> with the Hell in the Cell build. It was kind of getting to me that I was done with this feud. And it just wasn't ending. And they were building to Hell in a Cell. And I thought, we can end it at Hell in a Cell. That's fine. I'll be cool with that. You've, I have I'll be cool with that. At the time, I was just saying, I was done with it at the ambulance match. He absolutely nailed it at the ambulance match. But here, nah, not so much. It was a... Uh, Hell in a Cell felt like one match too far. And it was very fit just to end and then move on to the next thing. But it didn't he? It didn't he do that? So, we they had they made Van Diorton champion. And it means that, ugh, this feud that I was... Ready to end a month ago is going to continue for at least another month, but because it's Survivor Series, that means it's got to go on for another month past that as well. So, pretty are guaranteed to be getting Randy or Andre McIntyre for another two months. So, my immediate question: one, are they really doing it again? Because this would be five matches on pay-per-view since Aug August, well, August slash September with the SummerSlam Payback crossover. It's like that's insane amount and say in the WWE world where that means that every single week you will be interacting with that person in some manner but that's a long time to be doing that it's like a top feud all the time so immediate question how on earth did they make that interesting and the answer seems to be inject the fiend inject the miz and of course the balance he changed balance as well where he had Drew McIntyre on top for the entire feud suddenly it's Randy Orton on top And I really enjoyed the promo package at the start. Or I wouldn't say enjoyed. I say I thought he did a really good job of just highlighting that phrase of what happens when the predator becomes the prey. So, yes. So, you've got Drew McIntyre dropping the title to Orton. I did not mean to say Drew McIntyre's name. (laughs) He got Randy Orton. And, of course, he's got Drew McIntyre trying to come back after his title after what happened at Hell in a Cell. Then, you've also got The Fiend targeting Randy Orton seemingly out of. Of uh, what's happened in the past, trying to get revenge. And then you've got the Miz, who's money in the bank and wants to become champion for all the money and glory and whatever that brings as well. So you've got multiple people coming at him from different angles. And I always like it where on a wrestling show they start to establish that the champion has got multiple targets on his back. And you really start to feel it. Like the at- attacks are coming from all angles. There's so many top contenders that the- you feel like the champion really does has to watch himself. Well, it's nice to see that as a heel champion for once as well. It's quite often it'd be the baby face under that and the fighting fighting off foes. But no, here it's Randy Orton and he's uh he's Yes, I like the different levels to it as well. This opening segment I thought was both Ugh, oh, feuds continuing, are you really running this again? But then they mixed it up a bit. So it's a weird feeling of yeah, I loved it, and I also I'm getting tired of it. <laughs> it's a weird one. It brings up a lot of the negatives I have towards WWE, but also uh, the pros for the current era. Because this is one of those things where this is a WWE kind of... The way they write, the kind of trope, and quite often when I'm talking about the way they write, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm talking about it in a negative way. It just means that's the way they do it. Like you've got the... Booking it week to week type of thing—that's just the way they write. Uh, the, sh- the comic book writing, where you do your one storyline and you kind of in that one ship until it finishes, and you don't interact with many people. Other—that's on that ship. Something that's gone better in this current era, but that's still mostly a thing. And when I say that, that's mostly that's just how they write. So I don't go in there expecting much more when they d- dither, <laughs> when they change from that norm. That's when I kind of praise them a bit. It's like, oh. I not well, I don't expect you to go out of that because that's how you write. But when you do and you mix it up, yeah, it's great. Like when I was Retribution versus Hurt Business, yes, it was crap stable versus legitimately strong stable. But it was heel versus heel. And I liked that. They did that and they didn't play it up as, oh, isn't it weird to see baddie versus baddie? They didn't play it up like that. <laughs> they just played it up as these are two stables with beef. Yeah, one of them was... Horribly (laughs) books, but at least there's some bright spot in there. For this, I'm done with Randy Orton and Dream McIntyre. I was done a month ago. And to know that because of Survivor Series we've got it for another two months, for me that's crazy, that's mental. Uh, Survivor Series won't be the break from it because we'll see it every single week on Raw. I've I've already been tired of it. And it's kind of crazy to mean that this whole feud will go over a fifth pay-per-view then into a sixth. Just because they can't face each other at Survivor Series. Oh, it's, a, it's one where the pay view kind of hinders what they're doing here. That said, the immediate question that I put in the description is The Fiend, is injecting Bray Wyatt enough to make this storyline interesting? Yes and no. <laughs> the Fiend stuff is all interesting. I love the callbacks. But mainly the big part is it's Randy Orton versus somebody who isn't Drew McIntyre. <laughs> and That's the big thing. When Keith and got injected, same thing. It's just that at, I know the end game. The end game is Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre again. So it's difficult to get hyped for it when it's seeing that same match again. And it's not bad. The two done great work together. It's just that it's again you're still not moving on after all this time. And uh, like this, this is WWE. Don't do. Re- they don't really do long term booking. They'll do after the fact booking and referring to things that have happened in the past, but they don't actively do long term booking. Like it's stuff under the surface, like stuff that Twitter will pick up on and will go crazy over, but it's not no, it's not actually there. They're not acknowledging it as taking place over a long period of time. But with Randy Andrew McIntyre, that is lots of short term booking on top of each other making it longer. It's not long term booking long term for me, would be they knew the end point and at the start point you know where it's going to end, roughly. And in between you can drop hints and things and you can build to that end point because you know where it's going to be. And the case on point would be the ambulance match was 100% just the perfect type of thing you would do if you were doing that. You've built it up and everything that happened over the course of the journey kind of then rears its head at the end of it and you get a nice feeling climax phrasing (laughs) not title of your sex tape but it was but to do that in the middle of the feud it's short-term bookings on top of each other because they don't know where it's going to end that's the making it up as it goes along kind of thing when you are long-term booking you do it over a longer period of time they're booking it short-term is what i mean you end up with long-term feuds that's not long-term booking that's too completely long-term writing, I'll say, to get it out of the wrestling nerd bubble. You're not writing for like the start of a season and the end of a season. You're going episode by episode not, and vaguely knowing where you want it to go, but you could change your mind at any point. And you do change your mind live before the episode goes out. But that, that's what this feels like to me. It's that they, they're kind of keeping it rolling and... like. The fee- For me, the way to make it interesting is to end it, <laughs> essentially. To so get me interested in Randy Orton is you end his feud with Drew McIntyre, you move him on to The Fiend. You don't have him tackle The Fiend to then go back to Drew McIntyre. And I've kind of got hope that that is what they'll do. I feel like the yes, SEs focus on Drew McIntyre for now, but it's The Fiend in the background rather than Drew is the main point and The Fiend is the d- distraction. As in, The Fiend is a longer thing being built up to, for Randy Orton to then turn his attention to. Not a sidetrack from McIntyre. That's my hope, at least. I hope. Maybe. Possibly. Uh, but, on this show itself, Randy came out, and for me, first half of it was a generic Randy Orton stuff. I'm not really paying attention for the first three, four minutes of the show, because it's something I've seen over and over, and I just tune out now. Uh, obviously, different parts of your fandoms, you will have different reactions to that, but I've seen it for so long. I just... It does nothing for me anymore. But there was a decent kind of main line he was playing off of in it. That he's no longer the legend killer. He's now simply a legend. I love that line. That <laughs> was such a good line. And it was in terms of moving on him on to the next part of his career. And the mentality he's got as a champion now. Yeah, fantastic line. Just gets so much across. And it is not, it's not like the exposition that WWE normally do it's it kind of counts as expedition but it's not on the same level it's it's a bit more to it and i really i really appreciate that it's not somebody coming out the saying their feelings of i do not like this i am very very good to be fair the first half of the promo is i am very very good like bo- like generic crap <laughs> for me insert here to heal champion but the legend killer legend line uniquely autumn great it's had so much character to him like and uh, as legends do, he laid out a challenge for anyone to step up to him. Uh, but it's Alexa Bliss's music that hit. And she just stood in the ring. Smiling at him and put her hands under her chin. I'll do what she did, like... you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one with play written on it and the other with pain. She lowered pain and left... No, she lowered play, sorry, and left pain there. That's confusing everybody. Uh, and she just says, He. Could. Be. Here! <laughs> and the lights go all spooky spook. But it's Drew McIntyre when the lights come up with a Claymore with Miz and Morrison then running out to cash in money in the bank. Drew put a stop to that. But the threat is there. Just emphasising the targets on Orton's back after the opening promo package emphasised the targets on Orton's back. So reinforcing. Yes, it's essentially repeating the same plot point after you just told us the plot point. But it's WWE, I count this as a solid reinforcement. Like, for WWE, this is, again, i measure them on their bar. I'm not going <laughs> to measure them on a, a different bar, which is, like, a 10 out of 10 fighting every week. Like No, it's crazy. But, yeah, decent enough. And I love the idea of Drew McIntyre being like, no, I'm the one that wants to beat Randy Orton. I don't want to beat The Miz for the championship. I need to beat Randy Orton. And I uh, I really like that. So it, it doesn't make everything that's happened before. It, like, these months of investment, you don't then wipe it away cough, cough, last year. (laughs) You don't just wipe it away. Mandy Orton and Drew McIntyre, they have an animosity between each other. So, of course, Drew's not going to want to just wipe that away. Uh, After the break, Caruso caught up with Miz and Morrison. Angry Miz was angry at Drew for cutting off his chance to cash in his Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, They challenged the Big Scots to a two-on-one handicap match as Morrison just his Oh, hey, Scotland. Uh, Amazing impression and as you can tell by the word amazing Then I guess the next linked segment would be the Firefly Funhouse which came much later in the show and it uh, got letters for us to learn, yay! Uh, is it P.I.G., says the pig. Nope, it's R.K.O. And uh, I, uh, lo- I loved the the Firefly Funhouse for me Since it's come back to Raw it's been solid They've not been, obviously, on what, week 3 so it's not really been much of an opportunity, and they've had such a direct story with Randy Orton that it's like it's been solid every week, and it's perfect for just playing in the background. Because again, he's got Roman Reigns first, he's got Drew McIntyre. Just continue to build at this rate, <laughs> and I really, really enjoy what they're doing. And uh, as soon as they say RKO, it cut to Abby the Witch. It's like, well, after what he did to us, Randy Orton can go F himself. <laughs> and we were like, <gasps> gasping, you've seen the images of Alexa Bliss gasping like, <gasps> like, that's not very nice money in the swear jar, Abby. No, well, you can go F yourself too. <laughs> it's just, ah, uh, yes. Mixing the kind of childish presentation with the children's show and then just Abby going, well, you can go F yourself. <laughs> just, it got a laugh out of me. I enjoyed it. Uh, Bray told us the story of uh, once upon a time, Randy was a very bad man but that was a long time ago, and with those ashes, I was able to build a new fun world with and an immediate cut to Bray's flashbacks of Randy burning down his cabin. And he's just, he suddenly goes frank with everybody, like, I'm afraid it can't be that simple. He doesn't forget. And yeah, again, amazing. It, it was, so far, they've had a little hint of something the week prior, like, you see it in the background, you see, like, Last week where it was Bray White staying straight to the camera and behind him was the picture of the cabin burning. This week, a lot more in your face. And personally, like that is more depth than we've had before with WWE and I like it, I'm fine with it. It's the idea of you place it in a mind last week and go, oh, isn't that cool? And then the following week you do it right in our faces. So yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. Like one week, the week before, you got people talking, and then you kind of affirm the people's talking, and that gets people to kind of pay attention again because oh, we could be right again. What other things are we are we picking up on? And you don't even have to go that deep. You don't you don't have to go, David Lynch. <laughs> you don't have to do it. Just this this is enough, really. And yeah, just reinforcing people's need to just find what he's uh, the things he's hiding in there. Where again, they're pretty blatant. They're not really hidden, <laughs> but getting people talking, it's, yeah, it's a great technique. Oh, and also the thing that ended the segment, the other thing that was screen captured all over my Twitter feed in the morning, uh, Alexa Bliss was had been practicing a trick, and so Bray places his heel hand over her forehead, and, with flashes of the fiend appearing on screen, she looks up with the red-tinted eyes and droops a spooky red texture out of her mouth. Cool. <laughs> uh, Straight to camera, Braze goes, Oh, S-word. It's bloody YouTube, I can't swear. As the fun house theme plays. <laughs> uh, and it was a skit with a punchline. Him just turning the camera, just swearing at that, after the whole build-up of the swear jar. And in the tease for it, there was the rambling rabbit in front of the, behind the swear jar. It says, yeah, just nice little things. And it had a punchline, it had an end to the skit. It's not Saturday Night Live, after all. <laughs> because the skit has an ending. Uh, yeah. A great edition of Firefly Fondhouse, it made me laugh, it did spooky spook with the Alexa Bliss stuff at the end and uh, Again, I don't know what it's meant to be. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with not knowing. Weird thing happened and uh, The Fiend, it mostly kind of gets explained. Uh, as far as I remember, there's not been anything which was just completely random and had no meaning to it like, Over time you found out what it meant, like they've addressed it. Uh, I'm fine with not knowing I don't need to know immediately. So yeah, and it's again, it's a style of storytelling WWE don't really do, and that's why kind of why it stands out to actually call back on things in this manner. It's not something they do all the time. So yeah, good stuff, <laughs> good stuff. Whatever that goopy texture out of her head was, <laughs> which was strange and weird. So I, I like how the theme character goes kind of a bit beyond the PG line they normally do, and they go into this is strange and could probably freak a kid out but that's the world that i grew up in with doctor who <laughs> yes bbc got in a lot of trouble for that show because they constantly were dancing on the line and scared kids quite often yeah as far as i know the fiend doesn't really do that but this is a perfect spooky spook thing to do it <laughs> scaring kids break yeah making kids kids but cry cry bra god i'm too tired to say it <laughs> anyway uh we got some nice little builds. I was going to talk about McIntyre and Seamus' interaction, but I'll get to that. Actually, no, that would be my last thing. And I don't want to cover that last. Yes, I want to talk about Retribution last. <laughs> Just looking at my order. Uh, but Drew McIntyre, later into the show, was backstage. And he'd, uh, he would it was in the interview ring earlier. Didn't really say anything of note, as far as I can remember. Just standard, uh, I'm going to make Mandy Orton pay. Or stuff like that. But a nice little interaction was with him and Sheamus. Uh, Seamus offered him a place in the Raw Survivor Series team. Uh, a nice touch, like even though Shamu is heel, he and Drew have history and are genuine friends. Like WWE's made up of goody versus baddie stories and I appreciate them mixing it up. Like Stephanie McMahon got ripped apart for that there are no heels or faces line. But it wasn't because, for me it was because it was so clearly not true when she said it. Not because it was a stupid idea. Because it's not like I'm all for drifting into that world a tad, where you have got characters rather than blatant good guys and bad guys. That doesn't mean I don't want any, but in WWE most of the time it's all of them, it's everything. So to be in a world currently where the characters are taken over a bit, presumably because they don't have to worry about live crowd reaction because they just press it with a button. <laughs> so it's it's a studio audience where they control the reaction. It's not the same. It's not an org. That's well, not an organic, what is this, kind of uh, uncontrolled stuff, it's controlled. <laughs> controlled, like, to the touch of a button. So yeah, I'm happy to be in a WWE world where baddies don't team up because we are also baddies. <laughs> so, again, Hurt Business Retribution, for little example. Sheamus Drew McIntyre, yes, Sheamus has been a bit more heel recently, but he, they've, they're friends, they've got a history. They don't just drop that because of unconnected <laughs> things that have happened. So yeah, anyway, that led us to the main event, which was the two-on-one handicap match, Drew McIntyre versus Miz and Morrison, uh, very similar to last week's singles match against the Miz. Just this time, Morrison was a, also a legal competitor. Like, In fact, I could copy and paste my notes from last week, and you wouldn't be able to tell. Uh, like The Scott out the gates was strong, chopping his opponents down, but the numbers game eventually catches up to him and Miz chops his leg, gives him a nostril to climb. That is word for word what happened last week. (laughs) Difference is Miz could tag to Morrison and Morrison could also do damage himself. But he didn't target the leg, he just wore him down. Miz would now and then target the leg. Uh, McIntyre dominated the match. Aside from when Miz and Morrison were able to link those numbers together, one on one. My mouth is doing really weird movements. (laughs) More over the place. One on one, the recent champion found his way back in, but in a be it like a quick chop or launching Joma overhead for the uh, off the top turnbuckle. But the numbers game did lead to a close fall for the Miz. Uh, McIntyre was never going to fall to these two, but uh, they had their moments. Hit the school crushing finale. Tried to build it up as in, it gave like excitement a bit to this match. It wasn't as blat- It wasn't as blatant a formula. But I it, again a perfectly good. Like if you're starving, I don't really do stars, but I guess 3 out of 5 stars to put it in that range, but it's a good 3 out of 5 stars. Uh, Morrison tried to save his friend by dragging him to the outside, but Drew flew over the top to the outside with a massive, massive tope. Uh, impressive stuff, clearing them both out and rolling Miz back in for a Claymore for the win. Ending the show though, on the note we've seen for months, Randy Orton slithering in for an RKO out of nowhere, This time with the championship in hand where we've been used to him looking down at Drew McIntyre. But the final note is actually The Fiend. As The Fiend was flickering in, going off air with a final, let me in. And that's how we ended the show. Like, Just the idea of Orton trying to act as if things are normal going after Drew McIntyre as he would regardless of if The Fiend was there. But things aren't normal. The Fiend is there. The Fiend is there lurking in the background. Like, not front and centre, but continuing to push Orton to let him in. And Orton's not doing it. He's trying to focus on McIntyre. But eventually he's going to get to him. The Fiend is there. He can't ignore him forever. But I like that. If you're going to do... For me, this is a really good way to prolong a feud. If, you, if we're Specifically with Randy Orton, The Fiend. I'm done with Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre. <laughs> but they're using it to... Stretch out a different feud and the one after. I feel like the Fiend Van Dyon's going to really benefit from this, just lay, building all these layers because they're not going to f- clash for a little while. That means when they do eventually clash, there'll be a lot to it because you spent time building. Drew McIntyre Van and I'll never want to see again because you've <laughs> in the meantime for building for that. You've given me a feud that I've seen so many times, I'm just mentally gone, I just don't pay attention anymore. But that means. Very white and the Autumn will have loads of time to build to it. Pros and cons. <laughs> there are pros to this. Anyway, I take a quick sip again. My face was making so many weird movements whilst I was reading that. So I'm going to take my sip from my New Day mug and then I'll blast through the remainder of the show in order as quickly as I can so I can get to bed and rest <laughs> as I clearly need it. Mm. Also, I'm ready to have a bit of a when I go uh, to edit the show later and I realise how sad quiet the sound was. Hopefully. Yeah, I don't know why it's so quiet. Everything seemed fine. I streamed on Twitch yesterday. Anyway, uh, Elias versus Jeff Hardy, guitar on a pole. It's been a while since we've seen it on a pole, and it kind of gets satirised and the piss taken out of it because of like a past era. But now, especially like Vince Russo and WCW type of booking stuff, but I didn't start watching until 2005, so that story is of a mysterious time from the past for me. When I wasn't watching WWE or WCW at that point. So, I was never in that era where on a pole was something to take a, take the mick out of. That was I was in the era after that, when there were many other reasons. Many, many other reasons. Uh, but there's a guitar on a pole. You know what that means. Uh, Hardy and Elias quickly are racking up these matches together. But at least WWE are throwing gimmicks at it. Like, Honestly, I much prefer this to one-on-ones over and over, just building it up and you've got DQs and whatnot. Like hey, if you must book the same two again and again, at least give them malarkey like this. <laughs> like, I'm all for malarkey like this. A, a great shot uh, leading to the break as Elias launched his performance stool at a climbing jeff. <laughs> I appreciated that. Uh, but Hardy was the one to grab the weapon and jump off Brett's rope with a smash to Elias' back. It's not a feud i super into. The reports that Elias was going to be pushed as a potential main event of Monday Night Raw. This feels solidly mid-card. <laughs> uh, he can be pushed as a feeling, again, it feels solid mid-card. If their aim is to kind of get him over as a main event feeling star. That's not what they're doing. Hardy beat him fairly soundly. Again, Elias is fantastic on the mic. It's just when he starts the wrestle, there's just something missing. Where he doesn't feel, especially with the main event kind of st- uh, style at the moment, it's just not quite there. That like, I wouldn't be invested if they did it. Like, that's the issue with Baron Corbin. Yeah, he's not awful. But put him in that main event spot where you have to kind of be at a, a much, much higher level. Huh. To be honest, the booking did in no phasers. So it's difficult, really, to assess it. Anyway, let's move on to the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. Uh, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Two teams on Raw where they split somebody from their partner just to put them with another partner. Okay. (laughs) Sure, that means they're not gone anywhere. Mandy Rose does feel different because she's with Dana Brooke in this mega babyface team, Uh, but it's an odd one especially with Peyton voice. that's the weirdest one (laughs) somebody she's got genuine chemistry with like Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke yeah they're growing chemistry and their teamwork but Rose was already in a team with somebody she already had that with it's a really strange (laughs) decision anyway uh, Mandy and Dana spent the match especially the first half uh, trying out just a heap of ways to chop down Nia once again showing their quickly growing teamwork for the first half of the match the champs really not on chop uh, the champ- the chemistry Naya and Shayna have always lacked, becoming an increasing factor against teams that actually have it. Luckily, this is the peak. <laughs> so, yeah, you're safe. Yeah, eventually they're going to drop them to Rose and Brooke, because there's no other route, I guess. Uh, Lana was out for the match, uh, tried to distract Baszler to lose them the titles. But the last didn't get uh, down off the apron after the distraction, and the ref was busy yapping at her as... Brooke had Baszler rolled up, <laughs> so good stuff there, uh, giving Shayna enough time to easily kick out and roll back into the Cal Clutch, oh Lana you, at least there was no announced death spot so you're safe, that didn't last long. For later on in the show we got Nia Jax vs Lana, Nia Jax uh, we had an interview with Sarah Schreiber where she was pretty angry, I'm just going to find that interview, uh, She wa- Sarah Schreiber walked into Nia. And uh, the champion said she ain't happy about Lana trying to cost them the titles and challenges the woman to a match. And that led to said match. Where? I bloody find it in my notes. Yeah, Lana got the crap beating out of her. Uh, I want to say before we went into the match, there was a promo from Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans. And uh, as that played, I assume my Twitter just... Went into full. Why have you done these? It <laughs> splits to put them back into different teams. It's so so strange, but I was kind of fine with it in terms of like the promo was like a little distraction because immediately when we come back, Shayna is ripping all the stuff off the top of the announce table, clearing it already before Lana's even made her entrance. Uh, no nonsense Naya bullied Lana down from the bell, calling her pathetic as she splashed her in the corner. Uh, Lana fending for her life, she swung kicks, Uh, she swung them in hope before getting clobbered and toyed by the bigger, stronger and all-round more apt competitor. Jax wasn't out there to beat Lana, she was out to end her, Uh, as she said in the interview, she's going to end her career. Uh, When the last one quit, Naya Samoan dropped her down for a pin, and come on gang, you know what comes next, through the announce table for the seventh week in a row, that... Wasn't planned. <laughs> well, I didn't write that in my notes to do that weird punch. Uh, Nia shouting that she didn't belong in the ring with them. Uh, as that. And I 100% know people would have read that as, as, hmm, you sure there's not heat for the stuff? But I thought it was just well done. Uh, it didn't feel... For me, more came across as this is... that Both of them did a very good job of convincing me that Nia that Jax really didn't believe Lana should, have, should be on the Survivor Series team. If she really hasn't deserved it, she's not good enough, and this was Nijak showing up. Not a punishment for Lana. <laughs> As, uh, again, I've not even seen, I've not even looked in those corners of the internet. I just, I can immediately go, that's going to be there. <laughs> it's because of the way the segment played out. I just thought both of them did a solid job with it. So, kudos to you. Kudos to you both. Uh, speaking of kudos, have I got any backstage segments to do? No, I haven't. That means I'm to the 24-7 Championship. Uh, r Truth vs Bobby Lashley. First off, uh, r Truth thought he was out there to face a character from 1998's Waterboy. WWE with those timely 22-year-old references. <laughs> Good God! <laughs> and you wonder why a younger audience is struggling to, like, you know, attach themselves to WWE. Oh, take a guess. <laughs> a bit more timely references might help. Uh, Truth tried some tricks to catch out Bobby. Uh, to get him some kicks afterwards, but Mr. Lashers quickly rebound with a mighty spear and full Nelson, or is it called the Hurtlock, for the submission win in under a minute. Easy work made of the 24 7 champion, and somebody was waiting in the wings to capitalise. Drew Gulak ran on down, but he also met a Nelson fate. Uh, but a final revenge for truth, I guess, is cheekiness. Uh, Bobby Lashley draped Gulak's body over the fallen champion. And we had ourselves a new 24-7 champion. And R-Truth didn't win it back. So that's new. (laughs) He always wins it back. But he didn't this time. Uh, Yeah, 24-7. It's hard for me to give opinions on the 24-7 championship. Because I just don't care. It's not my style of comedy. Which pretty much ends the title. Again, I'm a man who loves loves comedy. Outside of wrestling. I've said it before. Comedy is my world. And. That sounded like I love it. That was meant. As in <laughs> project wise, but the 24 7 championship is not my style of comedy, which means the title means it's nothing to me, and I might as well just wind it. It means nothing to me. Mm. That title lives and dies on whether you find it funny or not. And because comedy is extremely subjective, it just doesn't really do it for me. I'm fine with silly Toyano, one of my favorite wrestlers in New Japan, but super slapstick. Haven't gone. Anyway, uh, AJ Styles with Big Oma Kwaheen, who is big. Uh, before the match AJ once again put himself forward as Raw team captain. This week on Raw did stuff to establish that out of words. So last, last week was, on terms of the show itself, there was a lot of issues of saying instead of showing. This week, they still said it before showing it, but they did actually show it. And AJ Styles as team captain is a great example of that. He introduced the team so far, Keith Lee and Sheamus, and he was calling them out for a potential warm-up or whatever. Uh, But neither of them agreed to take orders from AJ. Sorry, it's Captain AJ! Uh, As they bicker, Braun Strowman strives out and he declared himself as a member of the team. Keith Lee obviously has issues with that. He didn't qualify, they both had to go for qualifications, why doesn't Strowman? Uh, Strowman runs down his Survivor Series and career qualifications. Uh, Shamu and Keith still ain't having it, and they pretty much bicker over who gets to beat the big choo-choo train up in an actual qualifying match. Oh, and Adam, Adam Pierce was also there. Yay, authority figures will never die. At least he's an authority figure that isn't doing heel or face, even though they play the noise of the boos, so I guess he's supposed to be heel? If he wasn't, then he wouldn't play reaction like that, just in terms of presentation, what are you actually trying to get across? That's the reaction he's given. But, uh, yeah, it's fine. Like, he came out and said, I can't find any opponents for you. He's just me to like, well, that's a lie. I'll fight him. And Shane was like, no, I'll fight him. No, I'll fight him. AJ Styles with the genius idea of a triple threat. And if Braun Strowman wins, then he get, qualifies to Team Raw. AJ in commentary. And a nice little character bonus off, he wanted Braun Strowman on the team, but totally was like, well, I'm not, in terms of keeping the team together, I'm going to have to make him qualify, but I want him on the team. I like that. It wasn't a, I'm cheering for him because he's the baddie kind of thing. Like, I'm the heel on commentary, therefore I cheer the heel. Like, no. It's because he wanted the guy on his team. It's, yes, just nice and simple. I liked that. <laughs> uh, AJ, commenta- AJ AJ was on commentary and our audio friends were asking if having the three of these men beat the crap out of each other, was that wise an idea? The answer was pretty much, ha ha ha. Don't look at my tall friend. <laughs> anyway, uh, I enjoyed this meeting of steak. This meets clash, muscle and beef colliding. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. Uh, quickly into ringside chaos as the big lads, big lad wrestled all over the shop. Uh, shit, don't know what that hand movement was. Ooh, it's so crazy. <laughs> Seamus and Keith Lee showing nice short little bonding moments in The Enemy of Brawn is My Friend. But they didn't last long. Uh, a producer in our ear. Okay, here he comes, right before Strowman charges the two lads through the front row barricade. Uh, There's a pattern of Lee and Seamus working together to take the big man down before fighting each other and therefore letting the big man back in uh, for the pattern to repeat itself. A hefty Tower of Doom spot with AJ jumping out of his seat questioning how the ring's still intact. With you AJ, but that sold. How crazy that was. Yeah, it was the fact that they're all massive dudes and Keith Lee... Strowman in the electric chair and because it, what it, what it, the biggest of the men was in the middle of it <laughs> that's what made it even more impressive for me it was Seamus doing the one flipping over Strowman going to do the suplex and Keith Lee doing the powerbomb bit but it was, the, it was falling backwards with an electric chair but yeah simply just putting Strowman in the middle putting your biggest lad in the middle it gave such a different dyna- dynamic to it it was like oh crap oh <laughs> and I really really yeah that was a, a great little spot Speaking of intact, uh, Keith and Braun's rivalry rolls on as the former had Strowman set for a glory bomb before Seamus launched in with a bro kick to steal the win, but it ended up losing the match for them both as Braun powered the Irishman up and down with a power slam and he qualifies for Team Raw. Uh, Team Captain AJ sliding in to try to calm everything down like working his magic to get them all on the same side. It didn't work. Uh, Seamus hugging Strowman, but it's a ruse for a bro-kick, followed by Keith Lee pouncing him out, followed by AJ drop-kicking him out, and AJ's just in the ring throwing a Mardi. It's like, why would you get along? Why can't we be friends? (laughs) So, yes. Yeah, I like that. Like, he's trying to be team captain, and just when you think it's working, no, they're just too volatile. But are they telling the story of a team that will get along? Or that because they are volatile, that's it. Maybe AJ Styles gets eliminated and they're forced to get along without their captain. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, massive fan of this match. I thought it was great. A uh, big lad action in the middle of the show. Uh, just powering through everything at ringside. Poor Brawley. Poor, uh, pure chaos. Loved it. Great. Yeah. Again, I still give it like a three stars type of thing. But it's a really good thing. And that's this is why I don't do stars. Because uh, that doesn't that makes it think, make, probably gets it across as, oh, so it was... Fine. It's like, no, I really enjoyed it, it's just that if I'm rating it, my 5 star scale would have to include so many incredible stuff that it would have to be 3 stars, but I don't do stars, <laughs> specifically because of that. I That's why I do my words. Um, my point of view on that match, it was a really, really great big lad, big lad brawl. So, <laughs> if you like your big lad brawls, you will love this match. Anyway, Angel Garza, a two-camera promo, he has a message for that special someone now flirting with the entire WWE Universe. <laughs> That's his next victim. Uh, I'm all for it. Yes, great stuff. Uh, to the interview ring, da da uh, Caruso with Drew McIntyre, and he was saying that he was, of course he's aware that the others might get in his way as he tries to go for the WWE Champion Randy Orton, but yeah, he reckons Randy will be fine because Randy's got a six foot five attractive guardian angel called drew McIntyre <laughs> I like the in terms of the fact that he is a good guy I like the fact that he constantly refers to himself as sexy <laughs> there's something about that this <laughs> is just it's just a little character quirk which because it, it's been um, gotten a, uh, in terms of stuff that's been praised it's got how like his uh, strong booking how he does he's, he's booked not to come across as an idiot. Especially in the matches themselves, and the way that he tack the heels and whatnot, he Cable Cross is a really strong champion, really strong and a smart champion as well. But <laughs> the little thing gets overlooked. He is constantly referred to himself as sexy. <laughs> now I feel like in the marketing world of WWE, that's something that really needs to be just to be noted on that he's been pushing his brand like that. <laughs> so I just want to acknowledge, Randy, uh, Drew McIntyre. I've noticed you've been calling yourself sexy. Uh, I guess keep it up. It seems to be working. Uh, this led us into, I guess, I think it was Nia Jax and Lana. I oh, know it was Firefly Funhouse, then Nia Jax and Lana. Uh, then the Hurt Business with their VIP lounge. And this is a, I guess, another example of Survivor Series clashing with trying to continue to book a story. Yeah, the Hurt Business were all out there on this occasion as the United States champion Bobbily Lashes has a date with the Intercontinental Champion at Survivor Series. Uh, MVP declares that they took care of Retribution for WWE and now they want their payment and they want it in the form of the Raw Tag Team Championships. Uh, that's Retribution totally bowed then? <laughs> As in, the Hurt Business are just, we've done it. Can we have our payment, please? And just moving on. They were that fodder. And they're mid-card fodder when we get to it later. Uh, but you ask for champions and you summon. Uh, it's a new day. Yes, it is. Uh, they run on. They run down Bobby's age. Uh, Kofi reminds us he's held more titles than the four of them combined. MVP brought up his eight-second loss to Brock Lesnar. And JV's like, well, according to Lana, that's as long as Bobby can last. Oh, Complete don't remind me that Bobby and Lana had that angle. <laughs> oh, that was something that came... Cl- Every year, it seems to be something on WWE. I'm like, this is trash. And I come so close to just be like, I'll... Oh, start watching again once it finishes but uh, what i actually did was i just skipped it because i was i think it was WrestleMania season so i was enjoying the rest of it or at least get excited for the rest of it so i could just skip Lana bobby lashley stuff uh porter did not take his ceo getting done like that that lightly uh bigging up cedric and shelton ahead of them challenging is kofi and xavier to fisticuffs this was not for the championship compared to the women's match which was advertised as not for the women's titles then on the show was for the women's titles again it's the list of it's not it's not I don't know if you definitely count it but it's the list of when uh, WWE advertised a match for Monday Night Raw does it actually happen <laughs> and in 2019 they went absolutely crazy I think the record might be been 18 but one of the two years the amount of matches advertised that actually happened or, or advertising then got changed that number was astronomical <laughs> like it was sky high uh, just a st- stupid amount of announcements for matches that then never happened. Or, either be it, they changed their mind and it never actually ended up on the show. Or they did a swerve and they also got countered. Uh, yeah, that's that's crazy. I don't think it's been that bad this year, but that's a mini-example. Anyway, we've got New Day versus The Hurt Business of Shelton and Cedric. Uh, MVP on commentary saying how Cedric is their young lion, so they've put in with the incredibly experienced Shelton Benjamin to learn all that man has to offer. Uh, Cedric and Shelton had their moments in the match, but the New Day had most of the momentum in it. Alexander especially struggling to get to his foot, sorry, to get to his foot, to get his foot in against Kofi, right words, wrong order. But Woods and Benjamin was a lot more even, both lads getting their licks in, and that's when momentum really did shift. In the end, Shelton launched Kofi up high, and Woods was unable to fend both men off, The teamwork catching him and with a Neuralizer and Pay Dirt combo, they scored the win. I mean, it was an exciting match, but it is WWE booking to set up a title match by beating your champions. And uh, yeah, this was that. It was a good version of that, but it's the WWE formula we criticise and we're used to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not hugely on board with this style of... Especially when I look at the other promotions. Again, this was something we would criticise. Criticise, crit- crit- that's not a word. It was something we would criticise. But then in, in the past, AEW didn't exist where we would then see that not happen. If a champion gets beat, it's normally in a title match. Because you make them feel like a champion. Uh, WWE, I don't know, they're more like toys you have possession of. And he can they pin their champions so often <laughs> it's just a little minor thing I say minor thing a little I guess writing thing it's how WWE write which is how we can just constantly take the mick out of them for it but now we're seeing a different place not do that and I value their champions so much higher because of it it's other booking things that can then hinder them again FTR feel like dominant tag champions John Moxley feels like a dominant world champion Cody as TNT champion feels like a massive deal. The only one that kind of doesn't is Hikaru Shida but that's because she has been a strong champion and when she's been on television it's just that the women's division is not booked consistently at a good level so she falls down because of that. She feels like a strong champion it's just that of what division kind of falls onto it just because they're not strongly featured or booked or whatever. But in WWE, when they do have a decent division and there are teams there, they just beat the champions. <laughs> so they it's the champions themselves that don't always feel that strong. Which is partly why Drew as champion felt different, because they did book him strong. Anyway, uh, so yes. Enjoyed the match, just... Yeah, WWE booking at the end of it. Uh, Nikki Cross was backstage and she found Alexa Bliss who is facing away from camera as Nikki vattles on. Was I paying attention? No. <laughs> Ultimately spooked when she demands her friend looks at her uh, and that's when the Scot gazes upon Lexi's fiend eyes and runs away. And we didn't see uh, Alexa Bliss at all. Has the fiend truly taken over? Is Alexa Bliss getting her version of the fiend? As in, will she wrestle as the fiend of Alexa Bliss? Do I want to see that? <laughs> I suggested it. It's, n- it's something that's never come across my mind before. But there's Bray Wyatt as the fiend, but will there be Alexa Bliss as the fiend? As in, it's like a demon that's possessing them. Hmm. I don't know if I want to see that or not. <laughs> I really don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at the Demipercat. Do you think you want to see Re- Alexa Bliss Vessel as the fiend, or that should just be Bray Wyatt's thing as she does creepy, spooky stuff? Uh, And we end this show by talking about Retribution. Thumb up. Uh, Ricochet versus Jobber Tucker. It happens that quickly. And uh, yeah. Uh, Richard's not done anything since the Guerrero spot the other week. Where he outsmarted the Hurt Business. And has he actually done anything since then? Am I just forgetting he he has? (laughs) And no entrance for Tucker either. He was already in the ring looking like a major jobber. But before the match can start, Mustafa Ali comes out walking down the ramp. Ali wandering on down to stand on the announce desk as Ricochet makes quick work of the recently heel-turned big man. Uh, the recoil jobs out Tucky out, in seconds. After the pin, Ali stepped off the desk as the Retribution graphic theme played. It's like, mm, okay, here comes an attack on Ricochet. Uh, Ricochet fought off three of them but was launched out of the ring by T-Bar before they then stomped Tucky down by, with all of Ricochet. By all of Ricochet, all of Retribution. (laughs) What is my brain doing today? Uh, Poor Richard rolled on back in to be circled by the gang. He He launched up at them trying to attack, but the numbers grounded the flippy man fast. Ali looks him in the face and tells him, no sin is forgiven until it is punished, leading to him getting slammed down by the group. Retribution going for... Uh, Go from a major deal, to be feared, to lower mid-card fodder in record time. The centres are meant to have weight to it, but my brain's struggling to read tonight. (laughs) I'm ready for bed. But yeah, Retribution. Again, they were booked to actually win a segment, so that's better, (laughs) I guess. But they're targeting Ricochet in lower mid-card. This is the break before the main event. That's not a great sign. Like, at all. Like, should I care about this group? They're four and... Uh, sorry, they're zero and four. <laughs> four losses. Uh, yeah. Are they going to win against Ricochet? Or do you establish Ricochet has something to play with where he gets another win first to make them zero and five? Yeah. And Mia Yim still has no opponents. She's just there. So what? what is she doing? <laughs> she's just about. And she disappears for the matches. So she's literally just, like, there for the attack segments and random stuff. So weird. Uh, I gave on my rant last week, so you want to see my rant on retribution? Like after the fit that Miriam had, like that's like an all-time low for the group. After many previous all-time lows, they hit a new one last week, and this week was like it's more of a subtle low. That again, they were in the calm down before the main event. They were mid, like mid-card fodder stuff with Ricochet. But I did like how on Vortalk afterwards. Again, if it's not on Raw itself, I don't know how. I don't really take much weight in it. And Mustafa Ali is so good at turning crap into gold. It's just that they don't give him that on the TV. But on Raw talk, he did say that the reason they attacked Tucker was because of Otis, because of how he turned on Otis, they really didn't like that, and that then fits with Ali and his hacker gimmick, where he's exposing the person doing Otis dirty, <laughs> and do it and the uh, Mandy and the Tony Deville stuff as well. And so yeah. It fits that he would also be against Tucker turning on Otis. Because it fits with the uh, hacker character. Again, top notch nut- top stuff for Mustafa Ali. It's just they're constantly giving him crap and he's not got much clay to work with. Uh, but raw overall, I've heard some people say they really enjoyed this show. For me, it was... I-, I didn't get a lot out of it apart from the big lad fight. It's because I'm tired of Drew McIntyre versus Orton and I'm intrigued by the fiend stuff. I'm enjoying what they're setting up, but they're. I'm I'm done with the McIntyre versus Orton, and short term that's what they're building to is McIntyre versus Orton. Long term it's the Fiend Randy Orton, and I'll be excited when we move on to it. Does this freshen up Drew McIntyre versus Orton? No, <laughs> for me because I'm bored of that. I don't want to see it again. But I am enjoying seeing the Miz and Morrison there. I am enjoying seeing the Fiend there especially. It at least feels a bit different because they're wrestling other people before they then do the same kind of interruption spots they've been doing for months. So that I'm done with the main feud. That's the best way to put it. But more overall, I really enjoyed the big Lad Brawl. I enjoyed the funhouse. I'm fine with some of the developments in McIntyre Austin. I'm just done with it so I'm not invested in what's happening, even though I can go, yeah, that was all right. So I guess Raw was fine, is the best way to put it. Uh, my fatigue point was when The Hurt Business came out, scary enough. I enjoyed their segment, because I really enjoyed The Hurt Business, and The New Day, I've just such a fantastic breath of enjoyment into the show. Just a jolt of fun, which it turns out Raw's really needed. a New Day, they, they bring a smile to my face every single time. There's a reason I've got their mug. But, yeah, so overall was fine. <laughs> I didn't really get a lot from it. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Raw was fine, but watch, yeah, if you like big lad wrestling, watch the Triple Threat, you'll really, really enjoy that. Watch the Funhouse if you enjoyed the Brace stuff. Uh, New Day versus Hurt Business was a really enjoyable tag. Uh, but yeah, Raw overall was fine for me, which is an improvement. <laughs> so in terms of like rating it on their scale, I thought Raw last week was like particularly bad. We've had a, like, a solid month of, I would say, bad Raw's. But this was fine. So that is an improvement. As in there wasn't anything on the show that actively destroyed things. That took away momentum. With such a like yank of the rug. <laughs> but. Yeah. Nothing inoffensive. Nothing broken. But it was just fine for me. But again. Watch the big lad match. I'm enjoying the uh, the dynamic of the team raw. It's not, it feels more than just that you've lumped people together. It's that uh, the AJ's team captain. And you're building how volatile this group is. But that can reap benefits come the night. But anyway, do you feel like Survivor Series is getting in the way? Are you bored of Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, like I am, or is the Fiend and the Miz and Morrison kind of mixing it up enough? Do you like the? I, really, I did like the idea of uh, turning the predator on its head. Where what happens when the predator becomes the prey? I like that idea. Uh, it's just uh, I don't know. I find it difficult to get super invested, because survi- I enjoy the Survivor Series pay-per-views. But, as I said on the NXT review with James Boyd last week, last Thursday, they are a show which you probably enjoyed better if you don't watch the weekly television, and you just cho- uh, tune in for the pay-per-view. Because the pay-per-views are normally solid. It's just the storylines have, have to get really stretched out, or just stop short-term to kind of build to it. So yeah. Anyway. Uh, I'll be back on Tuesday for the NXT review. Thank you for listening to the Raw Review. Once again, bashing out this stuff. If, again, that's if anybody's listened to this nonsense, especially as it's US election night, uh, good luck to my American friends. Uh, and, again, um, yeah, the best thing for a democracy is to vote, <laughs> I guess. Get, as long as your voice is heard. Again, I'm the guy who uh, takes the piss out of all the politicians and then suddenly realises I've got to vote for one of them. I've voted for four different parties in four different elections. I have no kind of allegiance to anybody would say I'm left of centre. But I'm not like left left because, uh, yeah. (laughs) I'll get into it. If anybody does want to speak to politics, you can hit me up on Twitter at the damn implicat. If you want to get stuff off your chest, hit me up at the damn implicat. You might need a void to shout into. Hit me up. (laughs) I'll be happy to be your anger void or whatever you need in these coming weeks. Uh, Anyway... I uh, have have been the imp. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, the other thing, a newer story for a reason. Uh, I will be live on Twitch on Friday with a multiplayer stream or whatnot. I'll be streaming on Twitch uh, to get that uh, kind of started as well. Uh, Ash from Wrestling Shorts has pushed me into it, so yeah, he'll be live tomorrow. If you want to check him out as well at Wrestling Shorts, uh, I am the implications. That's it, the implications with a second S. On uh, Twitch, if you want to go check me out, I'm actually inclined currently on the Mondays. I've got one trophy left to make every enemy dance. It's not popping. <laughs> and on Fridays, like multiplayer games with friends and family, bring them on as well. So anyway, thank you for listening to this. What did you make of Monday Night Raw? Did you the other reason when I said it was fine? Were you thinking similar maybe because there's so much going on in the world? Was were you even able to care? Which is what I'm expecting for this show. Like I've gone into this with like zero expectancy of it. Take some pressure off of it. It uh, would have been nice if my mouth would have worked good. But nope, turns out I'm knackered. Didn't know that before I started the show. <laughs> but yeah, were you even able to really pay attention and get into it? Uh, anyway, let me know all that stuff. I'll be back on Thursday for the NXT review. And with that, I say thank you for watching. And I bid you adieu. <laughs> Fat Prime. Uh, adios. <laughs>